Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Content Pros Podcast. We're really excited today. We're joined by Nick Westergaard. Thanks, Chris. It's Randy here. Nick, thanks so much for taking the time to join us and talk about content today. Um, you know, for those who don't know Nick, he's, he's a great uh, speaker, uh, thought leader on branding and digital strategy as a whole. And, and I kind of start with that word strategy in there and, and hopefully no one's going to tune out. I know it's, it's kind of like homework. You know, when you can't do the fun, creative stuff, you, you just save that strategic stuff for the end. But, you know, we're going to try and talk a little bit about strategy today and you know Nick maybe you can start us off by by telling us what that means to you and you know how you're getting in to companies to to get them to think about strategy well I think uh, first of all thank you both for having me I'm thrilled to be here uh, and um, in talking about strategy you hit the nail on the head in that uh, I, I, whether not wanting people to tune out or kind of like if you're saying strategy aloud to someone in person, you kind of start to feel them kind of creeping, backing away from you. And I think that that is one thing that is kind of that, that unites marketers at organizations of all shapes and sizes. At big businesses, you don't want to get into those meetings that, you know, tie up uh, half of your exec team in months and months of meetings where you're putting together what's ultimately going to be a great big binder that sits on the shelf next to the crisis plan. And that's the same thing that scares away small, sometimes called scrappy organizations, uh, from uh, getting involved with strategy because they think, oh, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go. But when push comes to shove, as as we were discussing uh, earlier, uh, that data from the Content Marketing Institute shows that a documented content strategy, not just kind of knowing what you're supposed to be doing, but a documented content strategy helps with content effectiveness, helping us make sure that we're producing content that actually does something. And the the sad, sad truth is that there are more and more of us that are flying blind without a content strategy. Um, in the most recent release of the Content Marketing Institute and Marketing Profs uh, study on B2B content marketing trends, they found the number of folks without a documented strategy has actually gone up. I want to say it's uh, 33% last year versus 35% that lack a documented content strategy. And um, that's that's not a good thing. Why is that, Nick? I think a lot of people use that stat and we just say, you know, one in three don't have a documented or, you know, one in three do have a documented, I guess, if we interpret it correctly. But why is that number increasing or why... 
Why are people not just writing down their strategy? Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a lot of that baggage that we were talking about. And then I, I think you also said that in our circle, you know, you tend to hear that stat a lot. And we're all like, oh, a lot of people don't have a strategy. And I think mostly, yeah, okay. But I think the follow-up stat that I've been trying to couple that more with when I speak and write and point that out to people is that it's not just we want you to – I think that's kind of that that strategy as the binder thinking, that it's the uh, the nice to have as opposed to a need to have. And we all want more effective content. And the follow-up stat uh, that they have in there is that it does lead to content that is rated organizationally as being more effective. So as we look at all of these different forms of content and that more and more marketers are producing more and more content, which by and large, consumers are looking for more and more content. But if you follow all of this through to its logical conclusion, uh, you know, Mark Schaefer's done a lot of writing around what he calls content shock, where if all of us marketers simply turn our content marketing up to 11, for all of the Spinal Tap fans out there, um, at some point, we're going to exceed the eyeballs that there are to consume all of this content. So we're very rapidly approaching a place where, you know, content is king, all of these kind of great superlatives. But at some point, it's not going to be enough to just be making more content than everyone else out there, especially in crowded, noisy industries. And this is where, you know, you kind of say one fluffy thing and and answer it with something else. But it's not just enough to say, we're going to produce the best content. That that isn't an easy uh, approach. And that is where you have to be sure that you're grounded with a strategy that is both business-centric and customer-aware. So I think that's a great, great you know, way to put it. You know, maybe f- as we continue through here, we can kind of look at at strategy and how we set strategy, but then also how do we deploy strategy. So without jumping to to that part, because I, you know, I always get stuck to how do we deploy before we actually do it. Um, you know, how what are some of the the best ways that you've seen people actually define that strategy. And maybe there's two examples, one at a smaller company, like you said, that scrappier small company who's still committed to it. And then on the flip side of that, um, you know, a larger organization, you know, with multiple offices, you know, different stakeholders who really need to, you know, get different people to buy into what that strategy will be. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think, You talked about why is it that no one really seems to, with all of us mentioning that stat, very few care. And I think back to the, the, the important word in that and that being documented. And I also think that when we say documented, we think of, we visualize that great big tabbed binder again. And I don't think a documented strategy necessarily has to be some big god awful document. I think that it can be concise. Um, one of my favorite uh, kind of frameworks to use for strategies, somewhat topical with a, a new film adaptation of The Jungle Book being back in theaters, is that poem by Rudyard Kipling that famously says, I keep six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew. Their names are what and why and when and how and where and who. And those simple prompts of why, what, when, where, who, and how 
Uh, if we answer those, we'll be on our way to having more of a documented strategy than we think. You know, if you walk through a few of those, making sure you know, you know, like the uh, Simon Sinek book and TED Talk of the same name, start with why, that there has to be some sort of a business objective behind what you're doing. Is this focused on brand building, community building? Is it to drive leads and sales? Is it to influence public relations? Is it customer service? What is the business objective behind this? From there, you have to focus on who it is that you're serving, who your customers are, and really drill down to make sure that you've been as specific as possible. And with those two bits of information, the why and the who answered, we can be on our way to what I call a framework that we can use for a digital compass uh, to help us know what works best when. And, um, you know, all sorts of different um, examples of of strategies uh, like this in action. Um, I know a, um, uh, a, a car dealer actually, that uses this same approach and, you know, defining, you know, what their business objective is, who it is they're trying to reach by audience segment, and that informs for them what works best when. Uh, On the other side of things, um, I think that uh, HubSpot, actually, you know, who we think of as a big content marketing monster, uh, did a really interesting job with um, their, uh, their growth show podcast, uh, because it was at this time when, again, back to that idea of too many of us often pivot to more content is better and podcasting's big. Everybody's looking to start a podcast and they didn't just jump in to start a podcast. They looked at audience segments that they needed to serve and found that they had an underserved one in the, uh, CEO, um, you know, entrepreneur, founder space that wasn't necessarily being served by all of their, you know, uh, ebooks, listicles, and so forth, all of this approachable stuff that us marketers are using in the trenches. So they started the growth show to capitalize on entrepreneurs and uh, CEOs with more of a leadership growth message that kind of ladders up through marketing as well, uh, but, you know, a place for thought leaders like Seth Godin and Daniel Pink to share uh, their thoughts on organizational growth that is still an on-brand message for them, uh, but serves a very different constituency. Nick, you talked about the business objectives and uh, aligning your strategy to those objectives. And for a while, I, I think when I first started to hear the number of, you know, so few people documenting their content strategy, it felt like laziness at first. But the more I've discussed this with lots and lots of people, I think that there's a pretty significant gap between the marketers who can take a business objective and a true business goal and map their strategy to that and and those who can do it and those who cannot. And I'm not sure if that's what you've seen across some of the client work you've done and all the folks you've talked with. But if that is a problem where we can say, make the assumption that marketers may have trouble mapping their plans to overarching business objectives, such as driving revenue. How do we close that gap if it is a problem? Well, I, I I think absolutely that it it's something that I was just going to mention that I, I was in client meetings earlier this week and actually have another one this afternoon where that is 
the fundamental challenge. That raising your game, uh, the one today is specifically content-focused. Raising your game, it's easy to get into the additive mindset that this is so vast and complicated and we have to you know, strategically somehow cover all of that vastness. And my approach to strategy is about framing, simplifying, and getting clarity. Um, you know, that is uh, the, the client that we're working with this afternoon has an industry that is very complicated, has their own calendar, has different audience segments moving through different portions at different times. And I think that they have run themselves ragged a little bit in trying to get their arms around all of that. So uh, I think the chore, strategically speaking, is one of focus, one of identifying what we need to focus on for which audience segment, where, which business objective, and where. And I think that clarity, you know, simplifying is hard. Simplifying is is very complex work. So I... You know, once we get into the strategy, you know, how do we find that balance between being able to have strategy and still being able to execute on a day-to-day basis? And, you know, I know we were talking ahead of the podcast and you've got an exciting book coming out called Get Scrappy. And, and I, you know, without giving away the entire book because we want people to buy it, um, you, you did mention that, that you talk about some content hacks in, in the toolbox. Maybe you can talk about some of those and how they align back to making sure you're still strategic. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, as you talked about kind of uh, getting a strategy that doesn't do anything, isn't isn't useful at all. That's why in the book I talk about thinking of your strategy as opposed to that big, awful document as a map for getting you from point A to point B, point B being accomplishing your business objective. And you can also... Um, you know, make a parallel to measurement there. If you think of your strategy as a map, I know when I've reached my destination on a map. And likewise, if you have a business objective defined as your destination, you'll know how close you've gotten to that uh, with your measurement in the end as well also. But I also think that that map parallel holds through as you as it gets time to execute because a map is something, if you think about not as in the GPS mapping world, um, but if you think about having a, an old school paper map, it was easy to pass that to uh, your co-pilot into the back seat to get some advice on we're trying to get there. Help. How can we get there? Um, or, you know, asking someone by the side of the road to help you out. Uh, if you know where you're going and you share that with others, it's easier for them to get on the same page and help you get there. So that's why in the book, I talk a lot about um, embracing your people power and getting others involved in your strategy, not just in, in, in creating your strategy, but in going down the road together as well. Um, if everyone else knows where you're trying to go, then what they suggest is going to be more in line with something that can help you get there. And I think that that's important because also as you segue into execution, I think it's also easy to slide back into, um, it's easy to slide back into just keep doing more, just keep you know standing up presences on new social networks. And uh, another big idea 
I think that's hard for us to get around our heads around just like simple is hard and complex is that uh, more content or better content may not always be more content, that it may be less content, but more focused uh, and something that is going to have a bigger impact on your intended audience as well. Uh, But the specific hacks that I talk about as we kind of get further along in our marketing journey in the book, um, uh, I talk about repurposing your content, relentlessly repurposing your content, and even kind of gamifying that internally. If you've created this big content asset, an ebook, uh, a study, um, kind of working on that together as a team to say, how can we break this apart? How many different forms of content can we get out of this? Can we get, uh, you know, Instagram images out of uh, some of the single, if we break apart these single data points, could we share those visually uh, on Instagram? Uh, are there blog posts in here that we could that we could bring about? Is there a um, an editorial calendar uh, on our Facebook page that we could be sharing something new every Friday, every Monday from the study as well? So thinking about that, I also think, especially... Um, yeah, this is something that there's so many small businesses with great histories out there, as well as big businesses. Uh, but remember to utilize your historical content. Uh, a lot of times we have uh, a file cabinet or a storage unit full of all kinds of great things that we can digitize and give new life uh, online. Southwest Airlines uh, has a uh, Pinterest board made entirely of their uh, old ads that I think is a lot of fun. Um uh, curating content. I think that's the other thing of it's not always creating more content. It could be repackaging content that's already in existence out there. And then as we talk about bringing other people into the fold that aren't uh, your employees, uh, your customers, your uh, user-generated content, how can you invite uh, your tribe to help you with that content creation mission as well? I love that. There's some great stuff there, Nick. And your map analogy was a brilliant one as well. And I wanted to use that as the storytelling segue to talk about something that Park Howell is doing, which if you haven't listened to the Business of Story podcast, it's another Convincing Convert production. You should check that out. It's at businessofstory.com. So Park is talking to a stellar lineup of storytellers from all industries. It ranges from Hollywood to B2B. And their insights can help take your business content from meh to wow. And it's truly the power of story. And Nick, I think you are doing that just seamlessly. And I know that it comes natural because you're in front of people quite a bit and you have to present a lot and you're writing books. But just how you describe the usage of the map and referring to a documented content strategy that way, I I could see the visual of you being halfway there and then consulting the map and saying like, oh, we need to adjust course a little bit and get over here to reach our final destination. And that's a visual that I feel like we as marketers don't have as much as we should. It's almost like, okay, we have to do this thing. Then we're going to check it off our list. And then we're going to go back to being very, very busy. And we're running into this right now as we plan for our next fiscal year and what is our content plan. And it requires us looking at what's worked and what hasn't worked and trying to understand what are we going to do more of. And that doesn't mean more content, like you said, but what do we kill off to do more of that's working? And 
I'm just curious with you having a, a vast range of clients, what are some of the things you're seeing that are working really well right now across the board for content marketers? Um, well, I, I think, you know, considering more and more how, you know, as we talk about, again, the, the kind of more is better mindset, um, you know, just had us kind of cranking content out of the factory. And I think as uh, our customers are consuming more and more content, I think we know more and more about what they're consuming, how they're consuming it, when they're consuming it, um, that we can use to inform uh, raising our game and even kind of uh, refining what we're doing as well. When we see that, you know, something that, you know, is, you know, we, we may be able to see the 80 20 rule at play if we see that they're, you know, that 80% uh, uh, of our, you know, impressions, our actions, what we're looking for is coming from a minority of our content, then we might look at what we might be able to cut to double down a little bit more on some of those other uh, high-yielding sources of content uh, also. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I think when you talk about the a map as, as a metaphor, and metaphors, uh, as Park talks about, I, I love uh, I love the Business of Story podcast, was on it uh, a couple of months ago, and pivot to it a lot, because I do think story is incredibly useful in all aspects of business, um, and something like a metaphor is, because you, you can really work that map idea uh, with strategy, because just like you're talking about what, what, what you're going through, you wouldn't start on a major journey, a major trip, without a map, without some sort of um, uh, trip plotted. Uh, even today, with with the with the GPS, with your Maps app, we still have to have some sort of plan from getting to point A to po- from point A to point B. And I think, you know, coming back full circle of of why do we still suck at this so much? Uh, I think that not only do we not think of strategy in a useful way like a map, but I also think strategy does have a bum rap. Too many bad things have been done in the name of strategy uh, that we just we just try to skip it. So I, I love this map too. And, and, you know, we were talking earlier about creating that strategy and I kind of got ahead of myself in referring to how do we then make sure that that strategy is known? You know, I mean, you, you think back to when people actually traveled with an old school map and if you lost the map how did you actually get to the end you had to like find the original driver who had it you know today with with the opportunity for companies to uh you know to better communicate internally whether it's through a wiki or whether it's through you know different communication tools maybe you can talk about some of the ways that you've seen people do a really good job of making sure that that strategy and map is known to various stakeholders. And I, and I, I say that as, as being so important because you, you mentioned not just the amount of content being created, but you know, content's no longer only being created by the content team or the marketing team. Sometimes you've got sales reps who are helping create content. You've got success groups who are creating content. So how do you, how do you trickle that out um, to various stakeholders? And I know we we took some inspiration ourselves here at Uberflip. We we talked to Anne Handley, um, who I'm sure you know from Marketing Profs, and she she was really preaching the need to to document this and make sure that it's a it's a known tool. We created our own you know hub of of style at styleguide.uberflip.com. But how have you seen other people go ahead and and formalize this? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Anne actually wrote uh, the foreword for Get Scrappy. So she's uh, she's a big part of the uh, the scrappy mindset there. Um, and I do think, you know, I think sometimes the other thing that gets uh, a bad reputation sometimes beyond strategy is, is kind of eye-rolly corporate culture stuff. And I think sometimes we have that stigma when we think about, oh, I don't want to share a plan. That seems kind of... Yeah, you know, or not Steve Jobs over here. You know, I don't know why everybody would need to know about our content. But if you flip it the other way and think about who who wouldn't benefit from knowing about everything that we outlined in the framework of why we're doing this, who we're trying to reach, what we're doing, when it's happening and where it's happening, it kind of helps you see, oh, I guess there might be a lot of people, even tertiary people that might be able to feed uh, new ideas into the content. If there's frontline customer service call center types, if they know more about what you're looking for, then they know how they can help you and they can be more involved. Um, I say that several times throughout the book that nobody can help you. And to get scrappy, you have to embrace your people power internally at any size organization. Uh, But nobody can help you without an idea of what it is you're trying to do. So I think having some sort of means of communicating that. And I've seen uh, simple things. Uh, you talk about um, kind of the, the bigger success guides, internal documents, but also living, breathing documents, things that may be uh, as simple as a Google Doc, um, some sort of, you know, even even a Facebook group around um, you know something internally. Uh, strategically speaking, is a helpful way if you can find someone or somewhere where people are already spending time and using that to kind of continually feed um, those concepts and constructs. I think that's a great point, Nick. And I usually term that marketing your marketing. And, you know, within a large organization, especially, not to discount how important it is in any size organization, but I think there's one element where people don't really understand what you're doing. They may not know what you're doing because they're so busy with their own job, but much less the strategy and anything documented. And I don't know. It feels like a lot of what you're saying, content is not just one department and having something documented could get more people on the same page. Have you seen any examples of, you know, someone taking a strategy for content or anything within marketing, putting that on paper and having some semblance of a map and getting other people bought in through the use of that? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, uh, and I like that you said paper because it reminded me, you know, as, as digitally focused as we get sometimes, I think especially uh, in organizations, having something tactile um, at, at, at your desk that you can refer to uh, is incredibly powerful. I mean, I think that on, on um, you know, brand-focused uh, concepts too, especially if you're going through a rebrand and, you know, have some, some kind of big questions about who you are and what you stand for. I mean, I think an incredibly powerful tool is, you know, a pocket card that you can, you know, give people. A method does a great job uh, of rolling this out uh, with really a, a deck of cards on a ring uh, with, you know, what their brand is about that helps everybody literally uh, stay on the same page. 
Nick, that's that's great. I, you know, I, I think we, it's funny. I mean, for those for full disclosure, before we started this podcast, the three of us were sharing some Chrome extensions just to make us more productive. <laughs> you know, and you know, I, I feel like we keep going through here. We keep getting more and more different ways. You know, to as you call it, you know, take someone through a map um, and and really make sure that they're you know productive at every stage. And I, and I really think people should should take the time to read this book that that you have coming out called Get Scrappy, because I think that's what all of us are, are looking to do right now is as we engage in, uh, you know, in different ways to make our lives as marketers more effective with how busy and how inundated we are these days. And, uh, you know, I'll also just mention, uh, you know, for those who are interested in, you know, people who are, who are speaking like you or the types of speakers we've had on this podcast. Uh, my team is also doing a great event in Toronto later this year. Uh, the summer is a great time to come to Toronto, August 24th and 25th. And we're going to talk all about the buyer journey and how you use content to map to that buyer journey throughout throughout that experience. So I encourage people to take a look at that. Um, one thing that we always like to finish with, Nick, is is to get an idea of you know what you wanted to be when you grew up. You know, was it getting people to be more scrappy? Were you a scrappy kid? What, what were your aspirations back then? Yes, I, I was, I was, I was a scrappy child, always looking for ways to do more with less. No, um, it, it's funny because uh, I, I had something that I was sitting here, kind of shaking my head, thinking, "Oh, this is going to sound like a gross book thing," but I wanted to be an artist. I loved to draw, and uh, I, um, I, I loved drawing things, cartooning, all sorts of stuff, but. Uh, I grew up and I kind of uh, grew out of drawing, you know, you end up working on marketing and you uh, get to draw less and less. So it's not because I, I don't like drawing anymore. I just didn't have time or a reason to practice. I've got kids. I stay pretty busy. And in writing this book, I um, was looking for a way that it could be different and could stand out. And I thought, you know, you kind of throw everything in the kitchen sink sometimes into a book proposal. I thought, man, I'll draw on it too. And uh, so I do have some illustrations at the beginning of each chapter and the slingshot on the cover of the book uh, is is my drawing. So I've kind of found a way for what I wanted to do as a kid to be a part of what I'm doing once again. Awesome. I, I definitely want to check it out. I'm a big fan of any drawings and I have seen some of your presentations where you've worked in stuff that you doodle as well. So kudos. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Nick. And, and thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. You can find more episodes at contentprospodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you like to grab your podcast, you can find us there. If you have 30 seconds or so, please do leave us a review. It helps to shape the show. We will talk to you all next week on behalf of the Content Pros Podcast. I am Chris Moody from Oracle Marketing Cloud. Randy Frisch from Uberflip has been our other co-host. And Mr. Nick Westergaard, thank you so much for your time and have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts.